Welcome to the Garbage Pod. One pod, one load of garbage. 29 and 28. Remanded in custody. Something curious about this broadcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Garbage Pod for our annual delve into the global phenomenon that is the Eurovision Song Contest. The Eurovision Song Contest features artists from across Europe and strangely, Australia. Over the years, Eurovision has launched the careers of many bands and artists and probably most famous of these is ABBA. Joining me for what should have been the 66th edition of the Song Contest, but because of COVID-19, it's the 65th, is my TGP nominal co-host and stateside Eurovision fan, John Berger. How you doing? I'm doing okay, all things considering. How are things going over there? Uh, pretty good. As of Monday, we can do a lot more things that we couldn't do before. Well, that's in the UK, but what about the rest of Europe? Uh, when you look at Germany, they're a bit slow in the rollout of the vaccine. Apart from that, things are starting to come together now. So, yeah, it's pretty good in, in Europe at the minute. As I told you, I've had my first vaccine. Right. I can't have my second one until July because you have to wait 12 weeks. Wow, really? 12 weeks? 12 weeks. Wow. Well, I guess you still have the same ones over there, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and Pfizer, right? And AstraZeneca? Yeah. Okay. So I only had to wait five weeks for mine. I haven't had my second one yet. That's going to be next week, and I've already scheduled to take off work the day after, just in case, because it's the Moderna one. Mm-hmm. Which, from what I understand, if any of them are going to knock you on your rear end, it's the Moderna one. I, uh, I had some not bad considering what you could have mm -hmm. it did knock me for six for a bit i i had three days where i had a constant hangover i'm so glad that i know the phrase knock me for six <laughs> <laughs> yeah i forgot about that <laughs> <laughs> i know what that means <laughs> yeah so i had three days where i felt like i had a constant hangover and then for a week i couldn't lift my arm above shoulder height mm. without pain <laughs> but yeah, I, I cannot fault the people that uh, gave me the vaccine because they really looked after me because I have yeah. a, a really bad phobia of needles to the point that when I've had to give blood tests at the at the doctor's office, I have passed out. Oh, wow. So when I got there, I explained this situation. Uh, a nurse came out to me. She took me to a side room so I'm not in with anybody else and made sure that I was okay, gave me the vaccine, and then um, she said, just sit there as long as you like just in case you feel a bit faint. Mm. And uh, they were really nice. So uh, my hat's off to the, the NHS. That's cool. Now, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm not looking forward to the potential after effects, but still looking forward to it. And I can't wait to see what my brain's 5G reception is going to be afterward. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. It's going to be those Microsoft brain updates that are probably going to drive me nuts, though. What can you do? As well as all of a sudden, you know, getting those, those secret government waves just telling me to think positively or something like that about the, the U.S. government. Well, not don't know that I'm looking forward to all of those things and whatever RFID tag they're going to throw in there. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Not looking forward to messages coming through from Boris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, folks, we're having fun, okay? We're mocking certain conspiracy theorists. Thank you. If we needed to explain that, though, that's pretty sad. <laughs> it's been a weird year, okay? Yeah, it certainly has. It's difficult to believe that uh, it's come around again, considering the fact that we've held on to our uh, results from 2019, so that's like two years. <laughs> yeah, I even... When I saw our shared document, I was like, wait a minute, where's 2012? Oh, yeah. That's right. They didn't have it at all. So this is going to be really interesting. <laughs> eh, you know, no big deal. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, let's go through some of the changes implemented for Eurovision 2021 and other Eurovision news. Again. What is it really about? These strange times have only made the answer seem more clear to me. Me just loves to be we. You see, we can mean so much more than me. It's no coincidence welcome starts with we. We can make life become love and love become life. We can turn a single laugh into laughter. We can make a single move turn into a movement. And we can turn music into magic. So let's celebrate we once again, no matter where we may be. Because as long as we are connected by music, there are no boundaries. Let's open up. Let's open up again. Eurovision 2021 is due to take place from the 18th of May at the Ahoy Arena in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Obviously the contest will be a little bit different this year as there are strict guidelines set out when it comes to dealing with COVID-19. The European Broadcasting Union, or the EBU, and the Dutch host broadcasters NPO, NOS and Avrotros have been working on four basic scenarios for hosting Eurovision 2021 depending on the status of COVID-19. The four scenarios are as follows. Normal, social distancing, travel restrictions and lockdown. The social distancing scenario was selected by the EBU. What this actually means is everyone present at Eurovision Song Contest in Rotterdam would need to practice social distancing and remain 1.5 metres from each other at all times. Again, there will be nine shows, that is, rehearsal shows split into two halves with the audience in the arena, but a limited capacity to allow for social distancing. Teams from each of the participating broadcaster would travel to Rotterdam but with limits on how many people would be in each delegation and the number of press who could attend. Activities in and around Rotterdam would be adapted accordingly. Because there would be less space for audience in this scenario, a new seating layout would have to be made. The Dutch government has confirmed that a maximum of 3,500 spectators would be allowed inside the Ahoy Arena for Eurovision. This is approximately 20% of the 15,000 people capacity of the arena. Tickets are only available for those who have successfully purchased tickets for Eurovision 2020 and there will be no public sale. Everyone who had tickets for Eurovision 2020 will receive an email with a link to the sale of the shows for which the tickets would have been bought in 2020. A unique code will be given to the purchasers to access their tickets. 
However, this is not a guarantee that you will still get a ticket because of the reduced capacity. All spectators need to obtain a negative rapid COVID-19 test, which is issued to them free of charge on the day of the show and show the negative test results at the entrance to the arena. According to the executive producer for Eurovision 2021, all events and parties surrounding the contest will be cancelled and the delegations have been asked to stay in their hotels as much as possible. So if you're not on stage or in the green room, stay in your hotel room. Everything will be streamed live to the TV screens in the hotel rooms. So they've really thought about that kind of stuff. The European Broadcasting Union decided to invite all the bands and artists from 2020 to come back and compete in 2021, although there are some conditions that go along with this. In accordance with the rules of Eurovision Song Contest, if the original 2020 artists are selected to compete in Rotterdam, they would not be allowed to perform the song that was produced for them in 2020. Therefore, they would have to sing a completely different song in 2021. Also, this is at the discretion of the participating broadcasters, who may choose to send a different artist or band. That basically means the participating broadcaster, for example in the UK, that would be the BBC, get to choose whether the artist selected to represent their nation for 2020 would compete for 2021, or they could select somebody completely different. 41 countries were invited to return to Rotterdam for the Eurovision 2021, but only 39 are actually competing. Firstly, after careful and detailed discussions, the public television company for Armenia has decided to withdraw from Eurovision 2021, considering the latest events, the shortness of production time, as well as other objective reasons that make proper participation of Armenia in Eurovision 2021 impossible, says AMP TV in a statement. Armenia also withdrew from the Junior Eurovision contest in 2020, due to the introduction of martial law in the region as a result of an ongoing conflict with Azerbaijan. Yeah, but it's weird that that announcement was made back in March, two months ago. What else has been going on out there? I mean, the shortness of production time, as well as, I love this, other objective reasons, such as, is, is this one of those deals where something big is going on in Armenia and Western news outlets aren't reporting on it? Possible. There's a lot of that kind of stuff goes on, doesn't it? Now, the second reason there's only 39 countries taking part is that Belarus has been disqualified from Eurovision 2021. The band Galaxy Zemesta was internally picked by the Belarusian state broadcaster BTRC to represent Belarus in Eurovision 2021 with the song I'll Teach You. After the song was submitted, the European Broadcasting Union scrutinised the song to ensure that it complied with the rules of the competition. The EBU concluded that the song, and I quote, puts the non-political nature of Eurovision in question and requested that the broadcaster submitted a modified version or a new song or risked being disqualified from the contest. BTRC submitted a new song by the same artists and the EBU and the reference group, the contest's governing board, inspected the new song and also found that this song was also a breach of the rules of Eurovision <laughs> and therefore disqualified Belarus from Eurovision 2021. Basically, as far as I can work out, they did something political in the song. So they were asked to change the lyrics or change the song. They changed the song and it was equally as political as the one before. Mm. So, yeah. 
Now, because of travel restrictions enforced by the Australian government, Montaigne and the rest of the Australian delegation will not be able to travel to Rotterdam for Eurovision 2021. After a comprehensive assessment, the Australian broadcaster SBS has decided not to send an Australian delegation and artists to Rotterdam for the contest this year. Just Martin, SBS commissioning editor and the Australian head of the delegation, said, We came to this difficult decision after considering the challenges of the ongoing pandemic, including the many factors involved with travelling to and from the event from Australia. SBS and Montaigne are appreciative of the European Broadcasting Union's ongoing support for Australia's involvement in the event and their commitment to ensuring Eurovision continues amid the challenges of COVID-19. The EBU have set up contingency plans in case participants wanted to take part but they didn't want to risk travel under the circumstances. They call it live on tape and basically this is how it works. All 39 participating countries have recorded their performances in a studio prior to Eurovision 2021, and so it's called a live-on-tape performance. The recordings will be used as a backup in the event that several or all of the countries can't travel to Rotterdam due to COVID-19 or an artist having to quarantine on-site in Rotterdam. Live on tape means a recording of a performance live on stage without any edits to the vocals or any part of the performance after the recording there will be some rules for the recordings to ensure fairness and the rules are no audience will be present at the live on tape performance the recording should be unique and remain unpublished before the event delegations can use similar technical possibilities and dimensions that will be available on stage in rotterdam the live on tape recording should not contain any augmented or virtual reality overlays confetti drone shots water or chroma key or green screen all materials will be checked for approval by the host broadcasters and the ebu it's pretty strict i don't understand all the restrictions but and what's so big about drone shots i don't know whatever <laughs> montaigne the australian artist for euro 2021 said it is an immense privilege to be able to participate and compete in eurovision I'm absolutely stoked that I can present Technicolor this year in whatever form my final performance may come in. It's such a beautiful festivity and not even the pandemic can put it to bed. Eurovision will live forever. Eurovision Song Contest 2021 will be hosted by the same team that brought you Eurovision Love Shine a Light in 2020. So that would be Chantelle Janssen, Adzelia Romley, Jan Schmidt and Nikki Diego. Chantelle Janssen is a famous singer, actress and presenter. Celia Romley is a presenter, singer and two-time Eurovision participant. Jan Smit is a successful singer, presenter and Eurovision commentator for the Netherlands. And Nikki Diego is a professional YouTuber, hair and makeup artist and a beauty guru with over 13 million subscribers on her YouTube channel. The BBC have revealed the lineup for their coverage of the 2021 Eurovision Song Contest. The lineup features many familiar as well as new faces to provide a full package of coverage for Eurovision this year on both TV and online channels. Graham Norton will return for the grand final on the BBC on BBC One, where he will be commentating live from Rotterdam. This will be the presenter's 12th Eurovision Song Contest for the BBC. Graham said, I'm so excited for Eurovision to return. After the past year we've had, it's exactly the kind of joy the world needs. The UK have a great entry with James Newman and Embers. 
It's a banger and represents everything that Eurovision is about. It's arguably the best night of the year and I can't wait. Bring it on. Ken Bruce will continue his long-running coverage of the contest on BBC Radio 2 for his 32nd Eurovision. What? Dang. (laughs) Wow. Ken said Radio 2 is getting right behind Eurovision in 2021 with shows galore to delight all the fans. We're also so delighted that the competition is back this year. On a night, we'll be presenting the live show from my hot seat at Wogan House, bringing listeners all the entries with all the drama and, of course, the ultimate winner. Will it be the UK's year to finally win again? I can't wait to find out. Ryland clark Neal and Scott Mills will return for the semi-finals live on BBC4. Newly joining them will be Grammy-nominated singer and songwriter and presenter Chelsea Grimes. They will be presenting their commentary live from London rather than being in Rotterdam, covering the semi-finals on the 18th and the 20th of May. UK viewers will only be able to vote for the second semi-final. Ryland had this to say, There was always a big Eurovision-shaped hole in my life last year. I'm super excited to see what everyone brings to the table for 2021. (laughs) What? What is a Eurovision-shaped hole? (laughs) (laughs) Does Eurovision have a shape? (laughs) It's the best time of the year. I'm looking forward to being reunited with Scott for the semi-finals and welcome Chelsea into the team. Plus, Embers is an absolute tune. I can't wait. Scott said, Eurovision week is my favourite week of the year and I cannot wait for the biggest entertainment show on the planet to return. Although we won't be in Rotterdam ourselves, Ryland and Chelsea and I will definitely make sure we're still throwing the ultimate can't-miss celebration for this year's semi-finals. And the new team member, Chelsea Grimes, added, I'm super excited to be joining the Eurovision family. I can't wait to host the semi-finals alongside Scott and Ryland. It's going to be awesome. I've always been a fan of Eurovision and I can't wait to be part of it. I'm looking forward to seeing all the weird and wonderful performances as well as cheering on my mate James who is waving the flag for the UK. James and I have written together for a previous Eurovision winner and we've also penned some songs for the Romanian entrant. So he's the best person for the job. James to win. Britain's Got Talent judge Amanda Holden will be taking on the role of Eurovision spokesperson for the United Kingdom. On the grand final, she will present the UK professional jury vote in London. Amanda said, This is an absolute honour to announce the UK's votes this year. I am utterly thrilled. It's an ambition ticked after 45 years of watching it. And now, hmm, what to wear? Amanda will be following a long line of famous faces who have presented the UK points, including Cheryl Baker from the 1981 Eurovision Winners Bucks Fizz and Katrina from Katrina in the Waves, who won it in 1997. Simon Cowell has been brought in to help choose Israel's Eurovision 2022 artist. For the first time, a Eurovision Song Contest contender will be found through Simon Cowell's X Factor TV show. For the fourth season of the Israeli version of the show, Simon Cowell will join the judges on the show. Netta, who won the Eurovision Song Contest in 2018 for Israel with the song Toy, will also be a judge on the show, along with Israeli singer and producer Aviv Geffen. For the past seven years, Israel has chosen its song through a TV show called The Next Star. The show put in a bid to be the platform for the selection process for the 2022 song, but X Factor won instead. 
and apparently France have already started making plans to search for contenders for Eurovision 2022 a couple of weeks ago. So even before the contest is actually finished, they're already looking into the next contender. <sighs> that was a lot to get through. So uh, I, I think I need to have a drink to give my throat a rest. So come back in a moment for uh, a bit of a surprise. Points to 12 points go to Ukraine, Denmark, Sweden, Portugal. We are all heroes and we are unstoppable. So welcome back to the Garbage Pod for our Eurovision special. We always try to do something a little bit different for our Eurovision show, and this year is no different because we've decided to uh, bring a guest onto the show. The guest I'm going to bring on is uh, a singer and a fellow podcaster, Leslie Ann Shaw. How are you doing? Hello, very well, thank you. Now, I've been wanting you to come on the Garbage Pod for a while, and then when I found out you were doing a Eurovision episode of your podcast... I thought, ah, that would be an ideal opportunity to ask you to come on board. So um, here we are. Here we are indeed. Another weirdo. <laughs> How long have you been into Eurovision? Um, oh, I don't know really. Um, I usually miss it, I'll be honest with you, because I'm usually gigging on a Saturday. So I usually catch half of it on the radio on the way home and then try and catch up a little bit later. I've loved it for a long time. It's one of those things which a lot of artists don't take very seriously. And I've said... I would love to do Eurovision. So that's kind of been my, my mission this year from New Year's Eve. My New Year's resolution was I am going to get involved in Eurovision at some point. But um, I don't know. I think my earliest memory of Eurovision is probably, I'm trying to think which year it was now. It was in the 90s. It was uh, one of the many Irish winners in the 90s. Oh, wow. Right, because there's been seven of those. Neve Kavanagh, that was it. That was my earliest memory. Now, 
And um, Johnny Logan. He did two, didn't he? Three, actually, because he wrote one of the winners as well. Oh, really? But yeah, Mr. Eurovision, Johnny Logan. Um, but I suppose the, the one I can really remember seeing is the 1981 when Bucks Fizz won the competition. I'm not saying a thing about that. <laughs> I was around, I was around, but I don't remember it, I'll be honest with you. I don't, my parents aren't really into it. They've been uh, saying I'm, it's almost child abuse what I'm putting my kids through at the minute because they're listening to Eurovision permanently at the minute. And uh, they think it's quite cruel. <laughs> but yes, it was never really on in my house. But we have said, I said the other day, I'm going to try, maybe, shall I take that day off every year? We're going to do a Eurovision party for the family. A friend of mine does a Eurovision party every year and they try to get food from each of the countries taking part. Yeah, maybe I won't go that far. <laughs> There's been a difference in Eurovision over the years. I mean, when I used to watch it as a kid, I can remember it being quite a formal affair where you had people in suits and evening dresses and that was the audience. It was, And now it's, well, there may be some evening dresses and not necessarily by the people that you think will be wearing them, <laughs> but uh, it's, it has changed drastically. I think the last time I saw when um, there was a choice to be made, the last one I saw was uh, had my favourite singer in it and his song was absolutely atrocious. Now, I love The Darkness and Justin from The Darkness should never have entered. It was horrendous. I do remember that. And he did have a bit of a hissy fit when he didn't win as well, which was... Really? Yeah. It's awful. I think he's realised, looking back now, that was a bad choice. <laughs> I mean, over the years, we've, we've had some... We have had some dodgy, dodgy songs over the years. And we've had some really good ones, which should have won, that were missed out. I mean, one of my favourite in... When I say recently years, I think it was 2011, the boy band Blue, they they did a Eurovision entry. It was their chance to make a comeback because they hadn't brought out a song for a few years and they needed a stage to promote the new single and they decided to use Eurovision. How did that one actually go? Did it go Did it go well or...? They came 11th in the competition. Oh, right. oh that's good. Which is pretty good for us. <laughs> that's the thing. It's such a big risk, isn't it? You get other countries take it so seriously that big names are willing to do it. Yeah. Like Portugal this year. Their act has been around for a long, long time and I'd never heard of them before and I like them. And But in the UK, it's such a big risk, isn't it? Because if you fail, you fail miserably yeah. on a big stage in front of the rest of the UK and you'll never get taken seriously again. It's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Isn't it? We've produced people for Eurovision like, I mean, Bonnie Tyler did it one year for us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Engelbert Humperdinck. I mean, yeah. <laughs> their target audience probably don't even know who he is. No. It wasn't a bad song. It wasn't a great song. It's an album track. Mm. I admit I have actually bought a Eurovision single in the past. Back in the 90s, there was a song called Love City Groove. Oh, I loved that one. Well, see, I used to play that in disco when I used to DJ. And uh, that's one of the songs I wanted to do when I was putting all the Eurovision songs out, right, what am I going to record for my podcast? And then I realised I can't actually sing it, so that got booted up pretty quickly. So I'd forgotten about that one, actually. But uh, yeah, I loved that one. 
Did I buy it? I'm not sure. I like it because at the time it was more R&B than, than the stuff that normally we brought yeah. out. Sometimes you can hear songs and you think, oh, this is great. And then you find out it's Eurovision. The amount of people that Manzemelo, you know, the Heroes track. Yeah. They don't realise that that is a Eurovision song because it doesn't sound like a Eurovision song. Fab. And Euphoria, that doesn't sound like a, Favorite. a Eurovision song. No. Um, and that was huge everywhere. Even in the States, that was huge. Oh, was it? Yeah. Because I know um, Arcade is supposedly starting to creep into the, the US. In America, I know they already do like Eurovision, but... Um, um, I'm wondering if the film, the Will, Fer- the Will Ferrell film, I wonder if that has kind of brought more attention to Eurovision to the Americans. I think it has. I mean, even though it's a spoof of Eurovision, I mean, Eurovision can be a spoof of itself. Yeah. It did bring the kind of essence of Eurovision to the American market. I mean, they did have it on, a, on an American TV network two years ago, but the ratings wasn't fantastic. Oh, really? It was aimed at, uh, I, I like to call them the Rainbow Nation. Got you. You're going to have your middle American sort of Christian Bible Belt They're people. Not They're it, not going to watch that channel. So uh, it was a bit of a mistake putting it on that channel. But in the way, I can see why they did it, because a lot of the target audience for Eurovision... Well, it's camp, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's very camp. So yeah. I can understand why they did it. And they uh, who was who was one of the commentators? Michelle Visage, who does right. RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, she was one of the commentators. And she's very passionate about Eurovision. So, I mean, she's been in the music industry for, for years. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was about a year ago. I thought, I've got no idea who she is. I've seen her on things, you know, and celebrity things. I thought, well, who actually is she? And then I looked and found out that, yeah, she had a recording career, didn't she? Yeah, she was in a girl band in the 80s. Yeah. When I was watching Graham Norton the other week, she's doing stuff with Steps, so... Yes, I've seen the video of that one, because one of them was in a different country, and then Michelle seems to be in the video instead of her. Now, see, now there's a group. If we wanted to go tickets more seriously, Eurovision, put some good acts in, if you want to go old-school Eurovision, it's got to be Steps, isn't it? But then there's not many old-school around. They did that of a band one year called Scooch. Yes, is that flying the flag? Flying the flag, yeah. And that was yeah. what I called poor man's steps, really. They didn't quite make the mark. Yeah, you can see what they were aiming for, but they yeah, didn't definitely. quite get there. For the target audience, we need to adjust. And we are starting to come out with decent artists. Uh, the last two or three years, there's been some quite good artists. Yeah. Now the record labels are starting to take an interest in it. So, um, yeah. How does the voting work? Do we, the public, have... Yeah, we do have a say in it, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, because normally, as I said, normally I'm working, so I'm not actually there when it's... I don't see it when it's happening, do you know what I mean? Uh, on the semis this year, you only get to vote for one of them. You don't get to vote in both. Right. Normally, it's because Ireland are in one of them, so we're not allowed to vote for the one that Ireland's in, I think. I think that's how it works. Which one's that? I hope that's not two, because I want to vote for Iceland, so I hope to God it's not in that one. Uh, yes, we're allowed to vote for number two this year. Iceland. That's what you're voting for, yeah? Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that I was in the winner. Come on. They've tried their best to stop this block vote voting. Uh, and yeah. it's very difficult when you've got so many ex-Soviet bloc ones, so many Baltic state ones, and they all vote for each other. And what they've done over the years is pretty good because it seemed to be when they didn't have these things in place that... Eastern European countries were winning it year after year after year. 
over the last three or, or so years, it's been based on the fact that it's been a good song. Yeah. So hopefully that kind of thing will still be in place for that reason. We might start creeping up the board then. I hope so. I like our one this year. I don't think it's a winner, but it's 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 good. I think yeah. it'll do well. I'm hoping it'll do well. Last year's one I thought was good. I can still remember the lyrics of it, so it must be good if I can still remember the lyrics. Yeah. But and when, when you hear the people that he's written for... He's written for a lot of people. Well, he's written for two Eurovision winners. Is he really? Yeah. Uh, and he's, he wrote three tracks for Romania this year. I don't know if they used any of them. See, but this is part of the problem I've found with this year. It sounds like, even though he's written it, it sounds like it might have been better if someone else had been singing. Not against his voice... Mm. Because he's very good. Last year's song suited him. It's what you'd expect from him. This song isn't possibly, perhaps, what I would expect from him. So maybe it would have been better with someone else. He's got the credentials there. Yeah. Um, You might be right there. I I don't know if any of the big names will take Eurovision on board, whether they can see it being credible for them. We can take the mick out of Gary Barlow, but... He's written some songs, which to me, in the past, not for himself. I don't know why he can't write songs for himself. For Take That, he writes awesome songs. For Gary Barlow, not so much. Uh, But there have been some tracks which would be perfect Eurovision songs. They've got everything. They've got a little magic thing in there, which I think is quite hard to find. I think sometimes some countries can try too hard to go, we need to create this. We've got to have the ding-dang-dongs and the the key changes. But I think he could write a really good one. Uh, That one he did for, uh, what was it called... The one for the Stardust movie. Yeah, you and me were going on that, that, that one. one. Yeah. Um, Rule the world. Rule the world. That would have been beautiful. A great one for it, I think. That's probably the reason why I'm thinking of it. Yeah, I think I'm now properly fully hooked on Eurovision. I've liked it before, but I think because I've been working on this podcast on on my podcast, it's become a little bit obsessive. Now I've spoiled it a little bit for my husband because we'd normally watch it on the night and it'd all be a surprise. But of course, I've been looking at the songs beforehand. And then knowing what's going to be good on the night, it's like, am I going to like songs and then be biased when I see the live performance? I don't know. Have I spoilt it for myself? You see, the thing is, watching the live performance is going to be completely different because uh, they're going to have the different staging, the costumes Mm. are going to be different. You don't know if they're going to get it right on the night. Because I also watch the semi-finals as well, especially now I've started doing these podcasts because I need to find out who's been knocked out and who hasn't and that kind of thing. Because John doesn't get the semi-finals in America. They only get the they only get the final. Oh, really? So I then have to relay who's been knocked out and things. So I'm there on social media onto John going, so-and-so still in, you know. But uh, <laughs> it, may, it makes me wonder with John, you know, because it amazed me when he said, oh, I love Eurovision. I went, but you're American. Aren't they planning on doing their own kind of version? Yes and no. There was talk of it about three years ago, and then I didn't hear anything about it. But um, the TV networks were talking with the EBU about it. John said to me, it will never happen. It will never happen. I said, well, all you've got to do is become a member of the EBU and pay your dues every year, and you too can be part of the Eurovision. He goes, no, no, because you're going to have to pick an artist from 50 states. God. And it'll take forever to get your, the final person to go represent the US. But what is in plan is Eurovision Asia. So you're going to have countries like the Philippines and Thailand and all those kind of countries doing their own version of Eurovision. And that will be good. I'm going to say Philippines will win. They've got some fantastic singers in the Philippines. When I've worked in the Middle East, there's always been 
British bands mm-hmm. and Filipino bands and Russian acts out there. And the Filipino bands are always amazing. The singers are phenomenal. They seem to be able to do the Western style of singing mm-hmm. perfectly. Musicians, phenomenal. There's a guitarist from the Philippines, um, Lito, that's it. Phenomenal guitarist and just takes it in his stride. You know, I don't even think he's doing it anymore. I don't think he realises how good he is. But yeah, if you're going to see a Filipino band, you know you're going to go and see a good band if you're out in the Middle East. The only problem with having the Asian side of it coming through is you're going to have a lot of this K-pop. K-pop. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of that coming through. Some of it's all right. Can't understand that word of what's going on, but it sounds all right. (laughs) But And then you've got things like, you know, Gangnam Style and stuff like that, which is just, how did that (laughs) ever get anywhere? Hang on, we've got Black Lace. Do you know what I mean? We can't sing anything. Oh, that's very true. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I've just said that I love Agadu and Superman. Superman will be played in a funeral. But I've told then, the family. But then that. you've got the dodgy ones that they did, like we're having a gangbang and things like that. Well, have you ever seen the Black Lace Eurovision entry? No. Look it up. It's awful. <laughs> it was before Agadu. I found it the other week and I was like, oh my God, I thought, oh, Black Lace, this would be interesting. No, absolutely horrendous. <laughs> I mentioned at the start there that you're a singer. How long have you been in the industry for? Uh, 1994 wow. I started. I was singing a little bit for little bits and pieces, you know, charity gigs when I was a teenager before that. But then 16, I broke my mother's heart and I went away to work on holiday parks and then five summer seasons and then a full-on singer then since 1998. At the parks, is that where you met your other half? Uh, we met 10 years before we met, if you get me. In fact, talking of steps, I taught him the dance to five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years before we got together. Oh, it had been easier to do tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't no at the time. It was my job to teach uh, the whole seminar, so the whole company, after a few bevies, which shouldn't have happened, I did say to the big boss, don't make me do it on the end of the, the week because I will be a bit drunk. But there we go, he did it. And um, yeah, I had to teach the whole company five, six, seven, eight. A bit of line dancing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... From the holiday parks, I mean, you do all kinds of gigs and venues now, don't you? When I first became a full-time singer, I went abroad and I worked in hotels and stuff in the Middle East, which I loved. I did, I won't say cruise ship because it wasn't that posh, it was the North Sea Ferries I did. Horrendously seasick, didn't develop sea legs at all, so I don't think I'll ever be doing that again. Three months I was on there for and it wasn't good. Head in a bucket permanently. I do mostly holiday parks still in the UK, but I'm trying to get into festivals and stuff. And eventually, eventually, my aim is I am determined I'm going to be involved with Eurovision somehow. Well, I said that and I have been this year. Do I leak that out yet? Well, you can do. <laughs> Last year, because I wasn't working, I was able to sit there and watch the Eurovision that never happened. But of course, it was all the songs were still on the TV programme. I just absolutely loved Daddy Freya and been into him ever since. I absolutely love his stuff. So then stalking him on Twitter, one day he said, I need people in my choir. If you're interested, let me know. So then he sent us the stuff through. We learnt it, recorded it, sent it back. And there we go. I'm in the choir for this year's entry. That's really cool. Very chuffed. Even if you don't get to be an artist in your own right for Eurovision, you've got that claim to fame that you've been on a Eurovision track. 
Oh, it'll be on my CV, don't you worry. I've already told him, I said, I'm going to milk it for all I can get. <laughs> if you look at the write-ups to some of the artists that take part in these things, it'll say um, six years before they actually become a recording artist in their own right for this song, they were actually a backing vocalist on such and such a track. or And it was for a completely different country. Yes, I was saying that. There was, um, was one of the groups of girls. Was it last year or the year before? I'm not sure. And they were originally backing singers for people. And I thought, well... It's one of these things, it's a difficult thing to get into. It seems a very closed shop in this country to get into Eurovision. So that's part of the reason why I'm doing my podcast is just so I can just hammer it out to people. Well, one of the people I have been pestering is the guy who is in charge of Eurovision in the UK. And I found out what his favourite songs are. So I'll be tagging him when it's the time is ready and putting the songs out there. And hopefully, you never know, it could be one of those things. They might be desperate one year and say, do you know what? Just let her do it. Just let her do it. We'll see what happens. Apart from the singing, you've recently got into podcasting. Yeah, it was one of those things again. It came to New Year and I hadn't worked since March because of COVID. And I thought, what else can I do? And I've always wanted to be involved with radio, but it's one of those things, never really had the time to take it seriously, never really knew if I could do it. So my three New Year's resolutions were to get involved in Eurovision, to work with Daddy Freya somehow and to get involved with radio. And I thought, well, the only way I can think of to do it really is to start a podcast to see if I can do it, test myself. And then if I can, then I know to try and further it. But again, it's another one of those things that's very closed shop. You've either got to be already famous or suddenly in a some celebrity situation or one of these um, reality shows, what have you, to get into it at the minute. So yeah, so I don't know how it's going to go, but that was the plan to kind of use it as a demo really. But I'm enjoying doing it. I am. I'm really enjoying your podcast, actually. Well, thank you very much. There's nothing false about it. You get some podcasts that, you, you know, people are trying too hard and uh, it shows. But with your podcast, it flows. It is as though you're just talking to that one person. Thank you. That's good to hear. But the start of every one, the very first sentence takes me about 20 takes. And I can never seem to get it quite right. And then from then on, it all just flows then. it's, uh, And I get into it and then all of a sudden I'm time out. <laughs> My other podcast, the first bit I have to say sometimes takes a few takes because it's hello everybody and welcome to tgp nominal your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction oh, and uh <laughs> it I've, I've been doing it for a few years now so it but occasionally i have got a whole outtakes reel of bloopers <laughs> which i'm going to put together as a one thing we make so many cock-ups it's unbelievable <laughs> they're too good to waste so i keep them and uh, we'll, we'll play them in as one big piece on one of the shows probably christmas episode or something they say that when you get past your fifth episode you're hooked generally it is quite right after that you think i gotta keep doing this this is fun when it stops being fun that's when you need to stop because it then becomes a chore but um I mean, I've been doing podcasting now since 2011 in various different guises. So you are hooked then? Yeah, um, I, I started doing the Garbage Pods back then. It was going to be a people's podcast. And it kind of still is. We try and air people's wares, if you like. So if, if you've got a book to promote or music to promote or whatever, we're sure people would love to hear about it. Um, the same with other podcasters. Uh, if it's a podcast that's really interesting, then, the, you know, we've had people on the show with there's been some really hidden gems because there are hidden podcasts because a lot of the corporations are getting in on the on the podcasting scene now. And it seems to me that every other stand-up comic has got a podcast. 
these yeah. days. I seem to hear it all over the place. Oh, someone's got, got a podcast now. It's like, oh, not another one. <laughs> you know, um, I must well, no one's been working for a year, have they? So no, that's the thing. That's it. <laughs> We're all doing it for the same reason. Myself, who's been doing it for years, and it's like, right, they come on the scene and they've got billions of listeners or whatever, and it's like, yeah, I've had to work really hard to get my listenership, but yeah, it's it's, it's good fun, and I've met some really interesting people through the podcast. So, Leslie, you have a Eurovision podcast coming out soon, yeah, and I wanted to try and promote it on the show, and you, you've graciously let us put together a medley of some of the tracks that uh, you'll be playing on your show you can have a bit of everything because that's what the podcast is going to have it's um you've got to do the old classic cheese haven't you so yeah so there is some proper cheese in there well classics as well you've got to have a bit of waterloo in there i've recorded um i think about 20 of last year's songs I don't know why I recorded that many. I didn't need that many, but I have. And then uh, there's my favourite from this year as well, which is Portugal. I love the Portuguese song. So, yeah, a bit of all sorts in there for you. Excellent. Hope it doesn't frighten you off.
Like a puppet on a string. Thank you for playing it. Every year we do this kind of a, a predictions thing on the show. We've been doing it since 2016. I thought it'd be good in a Eurovision style to bring in a guest participant. So you can be our Australia, if you like. Why not? Let's have a bash, shall we? Okay. <laughs> I'll speak to you in a little while. No worries. We're going to have a short break. And when we come back, it's the moment of truth for myself and John where we reveal how we did in 2019. <laughs> we are presenting an exciting big change in the voting procedure of the Eurovision Song Contest. This is how it works. First, each national professional jury will award 1 to 8, 10 and 12 points to their favourites. In the grand final, these points will be announced by the spokespersons from all participating countries in the usual way. Based on the televoting, each country will award a second set of 1 to 8, 10 and 12 points to the 10 songs they like most. 
the televoting points from all countries will be combined and announced by the host, starting with the country receiving the fewest points from the public. And ending with the country that received the highest number of points from the televoting. So the winner will only be known at the very end of the show. In the semi-finals, the same voting system will be used, but only 10 qualifiers will be announced as usual. After the grand final, you can find the individual jury votes and televoting rankings on our website, Eurovision.tv. So, before the break, I had a chat with the lovely Leslie Ann Shaw. How cool is it having a backing vocalist on one of this year's tracks? And what a voice. That is cool. Yeah, she could definitely sing for sure. That that last section was amazing. Do you want to hear a James Bond medley that she does? Well, I think links need to be provided if they're available. In the show notes, of course. Well, um, don't forget to check out Leslie Ann's podcast called Leslie Ann Shaw Sings and her Eurovision Song Contest podcast. Well, again, links in the show notes. A couple of things, though. You mentioned that Euphoria was big in the States. It was? Uh, yeah, in the dance charts. Because a lot of the DJs over in the States were putting it in their sets and all that kind huh. of stuff. Well, just because it has a lot of airplay doesn't mean that it ranks up on sales charts and stuff. So maybe that was it. Yeah. And, and yes, that Black Lace song was terrible. It was absolutely was awful. terrible. How did that make it in? <laughs> what were your people smoking back in 79? <laughs> that was terrible. Ugh. Okay. And uh, Justin Hawkins' one wasn't that great either. It was very... Oh. Well, Justin Hawkins is renowned for glam rock. Yeah. And that wasn't glam rock. He, they were trying to do this kind of a throwback to the Motown sound, and it didn't work. No, no. It really and, and... didn't work. He's a bit of a diva, by all accounts. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great artist, don't get me wrong, but he, he, uh, he can fly off the handle a little bit. Uh, at least the plus side for me this year is that I don't have to work my second job when Eurovision is on. The negative for me this year is that no one in the U.S. is showing it. No one. And if it was anything like 2019, it's being blocked in the U.S. as well, which I really don't freaking understand that. 2019, they blocked the semifinals, which is stupid because nobody was showing the semifinals. I understand they blocked the finals because that was on Logo. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Logo, I get why they went there. But at the same time, you know what? If someone doesn't want to watch it and they live in Bible Belt, Midwest America, change the channel. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. They gave it a, a narrow audience from the start. And and on that note, you also mentioned that Eurovision coming to America, you hadn't heard anything. Yeah, unfortunately, it is still scheduled to start in the Christmas season of this year. And it's being called, wait, what is it being called again? The um, the American Song Contest. <sighs> it's going to bomb. We already have so many of this. We've got X Factor. We've got America's Got Talent. We've got a whole bunch of other singing contests. And now they're expecting us to go state versus state. And then you got the people who are going to be complaining about us taking over the term American, like we can be referred to any other way. I mean, if it was part of a big North America, South America thing. Okay, maybe. And we've talked about this before, too. But restricting this to the U.S. in, in some kind of homogenated music... Con this is so stupid. This is so stupid. And I really... I do hope that it falls flat on its face. As mean as that might sound, this is such a bad idea. I hope it fails. 
I mean, considering the spirit of what Eurovision is all about. Yeah. It started back in 1956 for the reason that morale was low across Europe because Mm -hmm. of, you know, 10 years before they had the war, they're trying to rebuild Europe and they thought that a music competition would be the great way of bringing Europe together. Yeah. And I could see that working over here too, if it was all of the countries in both North and South America involved. That'd be kind of cool, because then we could see and hear different cultures and different musical styles from, you know, Argentina and Brazil and Guatemala and all that stuff. That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. But to just have it restricted to the U.S., uh, really? And then you could have, like, an African competition where you've got different nationalities from all over Africa. That could work, because you've got different cultural influences there. You've got European, clearly. You've Mm -hmm. got, you know... Arabic, Islamic, you know, you've got traditional, um, for lack of a better term, tribal. If that's not the right word, forgive me, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, you know, you've got those different cultures within Africa that'll work. Not so much here. We're all pretty much the same. (laughs) Country, rock, dance. Yeah, the, the, the styles might be different, but the music we listen to is still the same. Different areas have got their different types of music. I mean, you've got down in New Orleans, you've got the sound that comes from there. You've got like yeah. St. Louis, you've got the sound that comes from St. Louis. You've got Nashville, they've got the sound that comes from there. You've got... You've got the sound, but it's not like it's restricted to that area of the country. Those no. types of music are enjoyed all over the country, you know, and all over the world. I mean, hell, the one guy who did uh, Waylon Jennings music from... What was it? Was he from the Netherlands? Yeah, from the Netherlands, yeah. Yeah. So... It, it's, I don't know, I, I know I'm being really pessimistic, but it, I don't see why we're doing this. And, you know, I'm, I'm not eager for us to have an American Song Contest podcast either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but according to this, as per an article in August, this past August, it's still on the go for end of the year of this year. I don't know. Just see how things go. <sighs> yeah. Now is the moment John and I have been waiting for for two years. <laughs> The results on how we did in choosing the winner of the 2019 contest in Tel Aviv, that just seems a lifetime ago. Yeah, it does. Obviously, there wasn't a Eurovision Song Contest last year, and the format for our show wouldn't work this year because of that situation. Mm -hmm. So this is the reason we decided to hold back the results of our predictions until now, pretty much, isn't it? What else are we going to do? So let's quickly go through the rules. John and I picked two songs from the first semi-final, plus an honourable mention, two songs from the second semi-final, plus another honourable mention, and then one song from the big six, that's France, Germany, Italy, Spain, and the United Kingdom, plus the host nation, and then an honourable mention from those as well. We then added up the official points for any of the songs that we picked that made it through to the grand final. Since 2017, we decided to include our honourable mentions in our scoring because, to be honest, our predicting skills are not up to much. (laughs) Our musical tastes are not necessarily in line with a lot of the music that gets played on Eurovision. Yeah, and it's so (laughs) unpredictable. Well, yeah, there's that too. You never know what's going to happen in Eurovision. No. There is one condition to our scoring with the honourable mentions. They will only count as half points. So we'll start off with the semi-final one. I picked the Czech Republic, Estonia, and as my honourable mention, Cyprus. John picked Greece, 
Serbia, and S's honourable mention, San Marino. All of our picks went through to the grand final. Now, through the years, that is unheard of for us. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> so we go through to semi-final two, and I picked Denmark, Ireland, and as my honourable mention, Moldova. And John picked Russia, Sweden, and as his honourable mention, Denmark. So Ireland and Moldova got knocked out of the contest, which left me with Denmark going through to the final. And once again, John had a full house. Now that again is a first that you had all of your acts going through to the final. At this point, (laughs) I had a very bad feeling about this. (laughs) So our big six picks, I picked France plus the honorable mention of Spain and John picked Spain with an honorable mention of Italy. So I've got six acts going through to the final and John has eight. Now, after the contest, it was reported that the jury vote from Belarus was not counted in the final score because the Belarusian officials had broken the rules after they had revealed to the press who they had voted for during the first semi-final. The Eurovision press team confirmed that the Belarusian jury voting has been revealed in an interview contravening Eurovision contest rules. In order to be compliant with the European Song Contest voting regulations, the EBU has taken action and has dismissed the Belarusian jury from the grand final. An aggregated result approved by the auditors will be used in order to determine to whom the Belarusian votes will be allocated. Although the jury votes count for 50% of each country's final score in the final, the adjustments didn't make a lot of difference to the overall picture, although it didn't do Belarus's result any favours as their artist Cena came just above the UK. So the scoring for our predictions is based around the aggregated results. So two years in a row now, Belarus didn't play by the rules. So they've been disqualified this year and their voting got disqualified in 2019. That's not good. No, but I mean, neither of us chose Belarus anyway. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So here's how we did in the final. Italy came second with 472 points. Russia came third with 370 points. Sweden came fifth with 334 points. Czech Republic came 11th with 157 points. Denmark came 12th with 120 points. Cyprus came 13th with 109 points. France came 16th with 105 points. Serbia came 18th with 89 points. San Marino came 19th with 77 points. Estonia came 20th with 76 points. Greece came 21st with 74 points. Spain came 22nd with 54 points. So after adding up our points and remembering that we only got half points for our honourable mentions, my grand total was 383 and John's was 1,255. So the tally since 2016 is 3-1 to John. Now, of course, I blame the adjustments to the final scores for my rubbish performance. Last year, I think you and I diverged probably the most out of all of them. Uh, yeah. 
Because there were actually a lot of songs in there that you picked that I was like, wow, really? I really expected us to have at least a couple of the songs that I chose to be on yours. And did we match any of them? Denmark, we both chose Denmark and Spain. Yeah. But everything else, we differed, which I was surprised by that. Actually, while I'm thinking on it, <laughs> uh, this year, there was one that I thought you would really go for and you didn't. Really? You know what? I might even have it on my list of... Uh, which ones I liked and which ones were just like, no. I've got that on mine, so we can kind of go through that at that yeah. point. But like we mentioned a couple of days ago to each other, the first semi-final was, it wasn't that difficult to choose because there weren't a lot of what we would consider to be great songs on it. Yeah. Semi-final number two was tough. There were a lot of good songs in semi-two. That was a tough one to choose from. So I wouldn't be surprised if I did mark that down as, yes, I do like that, but just something else I thought was better. We'll talk about that later. I was having that problem too. So, right. I think it's time for another break. And then when we come back, let's go into this year's predictions. Let the song begin with passion. Let the wind begin to blow. You can break the rules of fashion and your chance to win shall grow. Look into the TV camera so the audience can see. That you lovable, not desperate, smiling, they will vote for me. Fill the stage with light as dancers will join us. The expectations grow. It's time for the chorus. Love, love, peace, peace. For women making bread, peace, peace, love, love. And a man in a hamster wheel. Love, peace, peace, love. Make it unforgettable. You will be the best. And win the Eurovision Song Contest. Now we'll go down and notch. Our hands will touch, pretending we're in So on to Eurovision 2021. As I mentioned, 39 countries are competing in the contest and all the competitors were invited to return from 2020 at the discretion of their national broadcasters. Well, out of the 39 artists taking part, 26 of them are returning and 13 of them are new for 2021. Now, there seems to be a bit of a pattern here because all of the Scandinavian countries, bar Iceland, have selected new bands or artists. This is probably because of the way 
their artists are selected in the Scandinavian countries. For example, Sweden has their Melody Festival. The Swedish national broadcaster SVT begins looking for their songs nine months before the start of the televised Melody Festival selection show, normally within days of the previous year's Eurovision final. The submissions process is overseen by members of the Swedish Music Publishers Association, whose task is to reduce the number of songs which have been over 3,000 submissions a year since 2002, and they have to knock that down to 1,200. By February, the submissions are whittled down to just 28 for the next stage of the competition, which is spread over six weeks and consists of four semi-finals in which seven songs compete in each of them. A second chance round featuring songs which narrowly missed out of the qualification from the semi-finals and a grand final. The grand final, which normally takes place in mid-March, comprises of two automatic qualifiers from each of the semi-finals and two of the most popular songs in the second chance round. Sweden's selection for Eurovision is then voted from these 10 artists or bands by the public. Last year's Swedish entry, the Mummers, made it through to this year's final but were knocked out of the competition. Similar competitions take place across most of the other Scandinavian countries also. So it is a big deal in the Scandinavian countries and that is possibly why they've submitted new songs this year. I'd really like to see one of those festivals because it is a big deal. But obviously this year, it's going to be a bit different because it is like a big party. It's a huge party. There's not a lot you can do about that. And you're a lot closer to that than I am. Yeah. Now, the other countries to submit new entries this year are Albania, Croatia, Cyprus, France, Germany, Italy, Poland, Portugal and Russia. So now it's time for John and I to go through our picks for 2021 and hopefully I'll do better than I did in 2019. Well, we're a lot closer this time around. I think so. I think we've got three or four of them where we've chosen the same ones. Yeah, that's very true. But to be honest, I don't think I could do much worse. Stay positive. Stay positive. Now, as we heard earlier in the show, to change things up a bit, Leslie Ann Shaw will be bringing her selection to the mix also. And as she is our guest, it's only right that she goes first with her choice for semi-final one. Cyprus, El Diablo, I think will go through and possibly do very, very well. I'm going to to attempt to say a name. I'll just stick with Alina. No idea how to say a surname at all. But yeah, I like that one. I think they've got a lot going for it. I think it'll be very popular because it's Cyprus. She's a Greek singer, so that's going to get the Greek vote. It's got a Spanish title. Well, I know in this country, in the UK, Latino goes down very well. So I don't know about the rest of Europe. It's got that going on. I thought it'd be really easy to sing. That's one of the things because I've learned it myself and I discovered it's not that easy to sing. So good luck to her doing it live on the night. I'm on a Facebook group and it's fans of Eurovision and they're talking about stuff. And that one gets mentioned a little bit. There's a a few people who don't like it, but mostly it's like, unlike one of the other ones, which I'll talk about in a little while. Elena Segrinu is how you pronounce her surname. (laughs) She 
is my honourable mention for semi-final one. And I think she sounds very similar to Lady Gaga. Um, very catchy, although the lyrics, uh, if you look them up in English, are, are a bit strange. Yeah, yeah, some of those lyrics are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's talking about tacos and <laughs> things. Yeah, sriracha on our bodies. What? Okay. No, thanks. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, sriracha will go on the tacos, but that's it'll go in the bodies, not on them. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so what did you think to that, John? Uh, it's okay. Like you said, it was catchy. For me, it just didn't catch me enough. It just felt really repetitive, and I don't know. It, it, I just didn't really care for it. So the next one is your first choice. That was Leslie Roy from Ireland with Maps, and I like the song. It sound nice power pop kind of thing. Like the production value to it. I don't know. I, I, that one caught my ear a lot more than than some of the other songs, especially since, as we said before, semi-final one didn't have a whole lot. But I know, that that one, I I simply enjoyed. I, I latched onto it, and I thought, well, yeah, I like that one. So I did two ways of going for my picks. I actually watched the videos and then I listened to the song afterwards without looking at the video. And this one to me, when I wasn't watching the video, I can imagine it being the backing track for the Irish Tourist Board promo video. I can imagine people on mountain bikes going across the Irish landscape, you know, yeah. come, come to Ireland kind of thing. That's what I got from that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. So now it's my turn to choose my first semi-final track. Babe, are you hurting? Are you alright? You look like an angel that fell from the sky. And boy, you keep talking, massaging my ego. With your own original pick-up line. Hell no, what you gonna do? Hell no, I am not your honey. Hell no, I don't want your money. That was Malta, and the artist was Destiny, and the song was Je Me Casse, which is unusual to be singing uh, a lyric that's French, where it basically means 
I am breaking in English. Um, I will say a couple of things about her because she's got quite an impressive backstory. Destiny won the Eurovision Junior Contest for Malta in 2015 with a song called Not My Soul. She also made it through to the semi-finals of Britain's Got Talent in 2017 and she won X Factor Malta with her mentor being Ira Losco who represented Malta in Eurovision in 2016. The song lyrically has overtones of Netta's toy because it's basically saying, you know, treat me as a person, don't treat me as a plaything. It's got a jazz kind of R&B feel Mm -hmm. and it's got that sax sound that Eurovision liked. Do you remember those guys that had the sax on stage a couple of years back and then they did it again previously a couple of years before? It's got that kind of feel to it. It's one of the favourites to win the competition this year with France. Uh, Yeah, I don't know why either. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) France is predicted to be one of the winners? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Why? I don't know. But as we know with Eurovision, anything can happen. I mean, for anyone who's listening, we'll simply say that France's song is... Mark and I are not the target audience for it. It's stereotypical French. Oh, my God. If it could be any more French, it would be. I know this was your uh, second choice for mm-hmm. semi-final one. It's also Leslie's as well. Oh, nice. No, it, it's like you said, It's it's got solid R&B roots to it. And f- from what I remember, this is the only song in pretty much all of Eurovision that really has a strong R&B feel to it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of Europop, a lot of ballads this year, too. I would put San Marino in that category. I think so. Because it features the rapper Flowrider. Maybe, but this is the only one that really stood out to me. And that sax, for some reason, that... <laughs> have you ever heard of a zoot suit? Yeah. Okay, so for some reason, that saxophone part in the refrain just brought back this 1920s jazz feel to me. <laughs> if you're not too sure what a zoot suit is, um, check out some of the old Tom and Jerry cartoons. Yes. Yes, there's one in particular where Tom's trying to woo some female cat by wearing a zoot suit. Yeah, he makes it out of um, a garden hammock, doesn't he, if I remember rightly? Something like that. (laughs) And if if you want to know the feel for it, go find the song Zoot Suit Riot. Mm -hmm. Uh, That that kind of has that same feel because the song is meant to be of that era. And I got that during the refrain. I was like, wow, that's that stands out. I like that. Or look up some, something by possibly an artist like Cab Calloway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, that's no surprise that the three of us chose that one then. This is what Leslie had to say about it. This one is proper Marmite. Anyone's listening to this, not from the UK, by the way. You have to find out what Marmite is. I love it. Some people hate it. But that really is, it seems to be the most talked about one, which to me says it's going to do really well because there are people saying absolutely love it, people saying absolutely hate it. So I think it's going to do really well. One of the issues that people have got is the lyrics. Musically, I think it's great. Bit of a mix, isn't it? Because it starts off a bit Caro Emerald as well. And then it's got all sorts going on in it, to be fair. So it ticks quite a lot of boxes. But if I ignore the lyrics, because uh, it's a little bit one-sided, I like the song. So I just don't listen to the words and I enjoy this song. But I do think that one's going to do really, really well. Proper Marmite. I get it. I get what she's saying, but really. (laughs) Yeah, Marmite, you either love it or you hate it. Yeah. (laughs) There's there's no in the middle with Marmite. (laughs) As that song was both yours and Leslie's Mm -hmm. second choice, I guess it's my second choice. It is. So this is my second choice. Not until the rain has stopped, not until the thunder 
So that was Slovenia with the artist Anna Sovic. The song is called Amen, and it's 100% gospel. Oh, yeah. There's no question there. It's got a huge production values behind it, and which builds steadily as the track goes on. I just love the purity of it. No, and you're right. You're right. There's really nothing for me to add there to it. Really good production values. Good song. I can't disagree with you. It's unusual for me to go through a song like this, but... I do like a bit of gospel, and when it's as powerful as this, I had to go for it knowing full well that it was going to be difficult for us to pick something from the first well, semi-final. No, it's not the first time either you or I have chosen songs like that in the past, though. We've, you know, Probably for the same reason. Probably. <laughs> I mean, that's not to be negative on it, but... No, no, uh, but it is, it's a really great track, and it's so simply sung but her voice is wonderful. Oh, she's a great singer. So we now go on to honourable mentions for semi-final one, and this is Leslie's. the Roop Discotheque for Lithuania. Now, it, it's been hard this year because some of the acts that have returned, it's hard to look at it with, or to listen to it with fresh ears because I loved their song last year. I loved it straight away. It was a growl with the family. I say the family. My six-year-old is now Eurovision obsessed. Just to let you know, she's already decided that she is going to represent Iceland when she's grown up. She's chosen the name of a group. She's chosen the name of a song already. But yeah, anyway, I digress. So yeah, this year she instantly loved Discotheque put it on and played it and played it and played it and played it so I'm not sure whether I'm slightly biased because of their song last year or whether it's good oh and when I played it to my stepfather my parents don't particularly like Eurovision he said oh this sounds quite good actually I think it'll do quite well The Roop they have been in Eurovision before well not in the main contest they have been in the uh, what's called Let's Try Again <laughs> that's a bit pessimistic as the Lithuanian Eurovision National Finals. It's like, oh, we didn't win. Let's try again. Well, they finished third in that competition. I think it sounds like a UK artist called Mika. I didn't like it the first time I heard it, but after a a few listens, I kind of like it. Eh, (laughs) not my thing. So now it's time for your honourable mention, John. Mm Mm-hmm. Fire in the rain, but we'll get up again. We're thousand miles apart, but we'll overcome. I'll never let you down. Well, they're standing us around, but I feel it in my heart. Let's make a brand new start. Just stop us now, forget the hate. 
that was Tusa singing voices, and he's from Sweden. Uh, you mentioned earlier about Melode Festivalen yeah. from the, the country. Well, he won this, which that was his ticket to Eurovision, mm-hmm. but he's already a household name in Sweden. Uh, he won Swedish Idol back in 2019, so no surprise that he's here. That song, it's a solid power pop ballad. You know, he's got a great voice to it. And when you listen to the lyrics, it's a very positive one. You know, he says, let's make a brand new start. Forget the haters. There's more to life, so go ahead and sing it out. It's a very positive song, very powerful song. And I liked it from the second I heard it. There's a lot of songs in this competition with a similar kind of uh, message. Not letting anybody bring you down, that kind of thing. I think lyrically it's very similar to the Netherlands entry on that score. The chorus actually sounds like a slowed down version of Pitbull featuring Keisha's Timber, if you remember that song. Doesn't sound familiar at all. I will put the video to Timber in the show notes so you can have a listen and compare. It's got a very uh, Afrobeat feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of makes sense. He does have uh, Congolese roots. And when I first heard it, because I heard it before I saw it, I actually thought it was a girl. And then I saw the video and thought, oh, okay. Yeah, I, mean, I can see that. And I guess your honorable mention, we, well, we already heard that one. Yeah. yeah. Not much else to say on that one. No. <laughs> So now we move on to semi-final two, and this is Leslie's first choice. semi-final two now um, I've got a lot of favourites in this one it was hard to choose the difference between my favourites and which ones I think are going to do well I've let my heart take over this one I hope this one does better than it seems at the minute Portugal I love this song so it's Love Is On My Side and it's by the Black Mamba a group which I didn't realise have been around for a long time now I heard the song before I saw them and what I was hearing to what I saw were two completely different things. I wasn't expecting this scrawny little bloke, for starters. <laughs> Nothing like I was expecting at all. I was expecting a big mama doing the song, and I absolutely adore this song. Another one I've recorded, and I love every second of it. Yeah, it's my favourite, my absolute favourite for this year. How well it does, I'm not sure. I hope it does really well. I hope it wins. For me, on, on my initial hearing of this, I thought it was a bit of a dated power ballad, but then I heard that guitar towards the end. <laughs> And I was like, wow, that guitar is awesome. And the weird thing is, I've heard that the Black Mambo have shared stages with Lenny Kravitz. And I could imagine oh, wow. Lenny Kravitz singing this. That is the weird thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. if, if you listen back to the section with Leslie when I was talking with her, the medley she did, she did her own version of this song. And it sounds completely different because it's got a woman's voice. It's amazing. What did you think of that, John? Yeah, it was okay. For, for me, there were other songs in Semi-2 that I preferred a lot more. Okay. 
So now it's your first choice for second semi-final. Well, no, let's just say it's our first choice for second semi-final since we both chose it. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> Yes, that is Finland's Blind Channel, and uh, the song is Dark Side. That song it hooked me immediately. It, it's got that hard rock feel that you know I love. To me, it felt like Linkin Park also. A lot of Linkin Park to it. Definitely. I was like, yeah, I'm liking this. Even, even with a badass attitude, you know what? Okay, that's fine, whatever. But that music hooked me right in. And it's kind of funny that when you look at the Eurovision page, they're asked, if you found an Aladdin's lamp, what are three wishes you are making? And number two, Stormtrooper costumes. Awesome. <laughs> that right there. Can't argue with that whatsoever. It is kind of funny, though. It says that, according to them, it's a song that's meant to be performed together with an audience, which is kind of ironic that it's being played at Eurovision this year. I'm glad it's there. And you also mentioned earlier that Euphoria song. Mm-hmm. They've actually picked that song as their favorite Eurovision song of all time. I've actually heard Euphoria done in a heavy metal style. Ooh. And it's unbelievable. I'm going to have to look that one up. <laughs> it really looks like Finland are back with that heavier sound that has proven successful for them in the past with Lordi. Mm-hmm. As you say, it, it reminds me of that new metal era from the early noughties. Yeah. Um, as you say, Lincoln Park, Papa Roach, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I really like this. I have yeah. played this a lot, actually, since I've heard it. Yeah, this is a good song. On to Leslie's second choice. Uh, Switzerland. <laughs> Can I say these names? I don't know. John's Tears, Universe, something like that. Anyway, it was a choice of that one for me or Greece. I really like the Greek one, but I do think this one is going to do a little bit better because it's got that something else about it. That's something different for Eurovision. Like France seems to be quite a popular one at the minute. Not my cup of tea. It's too hard to listen to. This one I like. It's nice. When I first heard it, I thought it sounded a bit like Morton Harkett and I love Morton Harkett. So win-win for me. So I think Switzerland's going to do really well. If you don't know who Morton Harkett is, he's the lead singer of the band Aha. 
I thought that sounded familiar. <laughs> okay, okay. There you all right. So, yeah, John's Tears, the story of his name, because obviously that's a stage name. Singer's story began when a childhood rendition of Elvis's I Can't Help Falling in Love with You moved his grandfather to tears. This provided the inspiration for his stage name. Hmm. His grandfather was so impressed that he decided to sign John up for a TV talent show in his ancestral home of Albania. This proved to be a smart decision as at the age of 12, John finished third in Albania's Got Talent. The next year, he went on to reach the semi-finals of Switzerland got talent and in 2019 reached the same stage for the voice france so yeah he's pretty talented mm-hmm. now the song if you translate that into english it quite literally means all the universe i think it's a powerful ballad with an amazing expensive video it'll be interesting to see what they can do to translate this with the staging at the live shows and what did you think john i'll be honest, I don't remember the video at all. I was paying attention more to the music than the videos anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's okay. It's, it's fine. It, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a nice ballad. Uh, it's not really my thing. And there were so many contenders in Semi 2. This one simply didn't really hit the radar for me. Although it's interesting that she mentioned that she was choosing between this one and Greece, seeing as how Greece is my number two pick. It certainly is. So let's have a listen to that. Hey, that was Stefania from Greece. The song was Last Dance. Tell me that you couldn't hear that on, like, the Footloose soundtrack. (laughs) That song is straight from the 80s, and I could absolutely see, you know, just the topic is Let's Dance. You could see Kevin Bacon going crazy to that. Yeah, that's for sure. So that's why when I heard that, I said, okay, we're done. That's me. Strange that. This is my honorable mention for semi-final mm-hmm. two as you say it's got an 80s vibe running straight through it which i love and the first time i heard it i wanted this for one of my picks yeah it's so good she's really talented too i mean she was already in the junior eurovision song contest for malta uh with a girl band called kisses and they made eighth place that's pretty impressive yeah so i mean this isn't her first granted this is her i guess this is her first one with the real eurovision the full thing mm-hmm. but uh now still, she's been in at least junior Eurovision. Yeah. Crichton, what are you doing, man? Oh, sir, I'm listening to The Garbage Pod. It's a podcast I found in the podosphere. Now, while we're on the kind of topic of the 1980s, here's my second choice for semi-final two.
Now, I am very glad that this is an audio podcast and not a video podcast because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although the video was straight out of the 80s too. Yeah, very, very much so. All I had down on my notes for this is 80s yep. synth pop exclamation mm-hmm. mark. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good song too. That was Raphael for Poland with a song called The Ride. Now, Raphael Brzozowski might be familiar to fans of Eurovision because he was the co-presenter of the 2020 Junior Eurovision Song Contest when it was in Poland. His music career started when he participated in The Voice of Poland, releasing his debut single, So Close, and it's been really big in the Polish airplay and sales charts. He found further success with his album, also called So Close, and his other album called My Time. I don't know if he's being optimistic or pessimistic here by saying, you know, I'm so close, my time. I don't know if he's trying to say something there. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the the video, neons everywhere, the Ray-Ban shades, the look. It was Jan Hammer kind of Miami Vice type thing. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I have been playing that a lot. So now on to Leslie's honourable mention, and I believe it's yours as well, John. Now, I wonder who it could be, considering if you've listened to the podcast all the way through so far, you might have a guess of who (laughs) this might be. to be this one didn't it Iceland Dathi Freya and uh, Ogagnamadid I probably didn't say that right either got to be in it for several reasons uh, because I'm in it at the end in the choir and uh, have I said that before yeah once or twice I think I have quite chuffed about that and also huge Dathi Freya fan from last year I do think he would have won last year but then it's a difficult one because it because of the big comparison, because he was such a surprise last year and everyone was like, wow, the novelty. It's a shame because he's not a novelty act. He's actually a very talented musician and his stuff's really good. But the comparison, I don't know because that novelty has possibly worn off this year. I don't know how well they're going to do. I hope he does win it because he deserves it because um, it's his at least third entry, I think, because he tried to represent Iceland the year previous but didn't get through. So, yeah, I really hope it goes down well. Wait, she was in the background on that one? Yeah, she was in that choir. Nice. Last year's song didn't really catch me. I enjoyed the video. I thought that was better than the song, but this one caught me. This is straight 80s. Even a little bit of 70s feel in there, too. You could feel a little bit of the disco part there near the end. 
Oh, there's and, definitely disco in there. Yeah, you know? but I mean, the, the synth part is clearly 80s. This is a really good song for pretty much the same reasons that she mentioned. It just catches you. I agree with what she said. It's not exactly the same as last year. It does have the same feel. Does that mean he's going to do well this year? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't care. It's a good song. And uh, the video to this reminded me of the Beastie Boys Intergalactic, where you got the big monster thing and you've got to try and defeat it. Yeah. Very 70s Japanese kind of Godzilla type thing. It's clear they like to have fun in their videos, and that, that's nice. <laughs> if you go onto uh, Dardy Freya's website, there's a lot of fun to be had on there because you can have your image made out to look like the 8-bit pixel designs that they have on their T-shirts. Ooh, really? Yeah, and you can have them made into T-shirts if you wanted to. <laughs> I'm duly noting that. And by the way, if you can't pronounce the band, just translate it into English. It basically means data plan. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the pronunciation is Dadi Og Gagnamagnif. That sounds very Scandinavian, yeah. I guess one of our old uh, comrades would be the best person to ask that. Paul Hutchinson. Wow. Yeah, I forgot about him. A lot of people are not going to catch that reference. An ex-fellow podcaster, friend of ours, he lived in Iceland for a few years. Mm -hmm. He speaks the language fluently, so... uh, (laughs) Before we go on to the the big six, I, I, I mentioned earlier about a track that I thought you would really go for, and you didn't. Vasil with Here I Stand. There are times when I remember back, wish to hug the child about to crack. I'll tell him, wait, it won't be long. Trust your heart and just stay strong. Cause baby, they'll try to break us Not knowing it's what makes us This is how we found our way Now here I stand There's no pretend Walls are down, my heart's in your So Broadway, West End musical kind of great showman type thing that I thought you would like that. Really? Hmm. What I do is as I go through, I listen to them and I just simply mark like, no, yes, okay, you know, that kind of stuff. And then I go back and listen to the ones that are not no. And this one was listed as a no for me. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just listened to them and went, right, yeah, that's West End musical. Yeah, John will like that. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. I have to go back and listen to that one again. But yeah, I have that one marked clearly as no. I'm surprised. Because yeah, you're right. I do kind of like those Broadway-ish kind of productions, high production value, you know, orchestral, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Although in fairness, I'm surprised that 
you didn't choose 10 years for one of yours. I was going to, but then I thought, I really like the Greek track. Yeah. I really like the Polish one. What do I do? What do I do? Because I, I could pick probably five or six tracks that I could have easily put in there. Yeah, that's fair. Semi 2, was that was a tough one. A lot of good songs on that one. So I guess it's time to move on to the big six. First of all, let me explain what and who the big six are. The big six are the nations who are automatically qualified for the grand final each year, as they are the biggest financial contributors to the European Broadcasting Union. These nations consist of France, Germany, Italy, Spain and the United Kingdom. I know that makes five, but then you have to add in the host nation. So in this case of 2021, it's the Netherlands. So let's start with Leslie's big six choice, and it's also your big six choice. Oh, okay. Ma sono fuori di testa, ma diversa da loro. E tu sei fuori di testa, ma diversa da loro. So, Italy, uh, I'll be honest with you, it's another one. I'm not even going to attempt the name of either. As I said, from my podcast, I'm learning the songs. And when I heard this one, I thought, ooh, I like this. I like the rock. My six-year-old made me turn it off to start with because she says, oh, don't like his voice, he's shouting. But then it's grown on her as well. I've made that happen. Because I like a little bit of rock, I'll be honest. It's quite an eclectic taste, like Eurovision is. And it's quite like my CD collection in the car, to be fair, because I do like a little bit of rock. Not too rocky. There's another rock one, and that's not quite my cup of tea. This one I do like a lot, and I do think Italy will do very well. And she liked this one, but not Finland. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Anyway, well, that band name is Moniskin, which is Danish for moonshine. She said she couldn't pronounce it well. I know what it is. It's strange that an Italian band has got a Scandinavian name. Yeah, it is. Like she said, it's a good hard rock song, and I don't want to say it screams 80s, maybe eh, maybe a little bit, but you know, like, the, like the bass line. All I could hear in the bass line was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. The way that the bass line was played and so forth. So, yeah, that, that's another one. I latched onto it immediately and said, mm-hmm, yep, listened to this one a few times in a row. No idea what they're saying. A little bit on the repetitive side, but not enough for me to say nope. You see, I was the other way around because I preferred the other one to this. And then looking at the video and thinking, hey, hey, he looks a bit like Marilyn Manson. Ah, uh, I'm not saying that I prefer this one more than the other. I, I like them both. But I was simply caught off guard that she likes this one, but not the other one. It's like, really? Mm, all right. Right. So for my big six choice, and I think it was your honorable mention, John. It was. Is. Whatever. I really don't care that you want to bash me. Do it with flair and I'll let you be But don't you dare mm, to get angry But when you realize those words just don't hit me What? Cause I don't feel hate I just feel sorry If it's very clever whenever you find another way to wear me down But I don't feel hate I just feel sorry So you can wiggle back to me the thing that it'll never wiggle back to you Cause I don't feel Hate. 
was Gendrick, and I don't feel hate for Germany. This is 2021's fun track, I think, and it's such an earworm. It is. In fact, on hearing it for the first time, my other half said, if I wake up with this stuck in my head tomorrow morning, <laughs> I'm going to wake you up and poke you in the eye. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And did you see the video? The video's fun. And he made it all himself. Oh, wow. Nice. And all the people in the video are his friends. Oh, that's cool. It's it's like that song from Italy a couple of years ago. Uh, I was telling Leslie about this. The, you're I, talking yeah. <laughs> the, the one with the gorilla, yeah? Yes, yes. <laughs> no clue what he's saying, but you don't care. You just love the video. And, and, and even if you translate the words into English, it makes absolutely no, no sense, sense either. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the read-up on this, I actually love this. It's a great story. Some musicians spend years searching for their signature instrument, but Gendrick found his in the hands of his little sister who had received the tiny four-string lute as a birthday present. Hogging the gift for himself, Gendrick started to compose his own songs for his parents and siblings, and this is how his songwriting career began. It says, the next stop for the Hamburg-born ukuleleist, I'm assuming that's the proper terminology for somebody who plays a ukulele, was the Institute of Music in Osnabrück University of Applied Sciences. And you can probably guess what topic he chose for his Bachelor of Arts thesis. The ukulele. He went to a science <laughs> university to do his degree in the ukulele. Uh, not surprised. Not surprised. But the song is so much fun. Um, it has a very positive message to it. The vibrant video, which I hope the middle finger character makes it onto the live performance on the stage. <laughs> so it's the second song that's had a middle finger reference because the Finland entry mentions about that also. Yeah, they do. It is a fun song. Hear it a couple of times and it will get stuck in your head. Mm -hmm. But I also like how it goes from that fun, cutesy ukulele thing and all of a sudden it just goes into rock. Yeah. <laughs> on, just, on a switch, just boom, switches over. It's like, wow, that's that's cool. And hopefully it'll do well. So on to Leslie's big six honorable mention. Voy a So out of the six, I can't really put our country up there at the top because I don't think it's going to do as well as this one. Now, depending whether I saw the video or heard the song first, how I talked to some of the songs, this one, I saw the video and I was won over by the fact that he's singing to possibly his nan or something. I don't know. It's uh, very sweet. And out of the six, I like this one. So the guy singing for Spain there is Vlad Cantor, and he's no stranger to Eurovision because he was also part of a, a boy band called Arin, and they came second in the selection process for Spain. He also competed in Euro Junior, which is a Spanish selection process for the Junior Eurovision Song Contest back in 2004. Voya Kodami translates as I Will Stay, and having heard that Vlad was in a boy band it makes sense as on my first hearing of the track i thought it sounded like the irish boy band westlife 
the video for me had some conflictions because not being able to understand the lyrics. Was he singing to his grandmother or did he have an unusual life choice? No big deal if it was something else. But uh, what did you think of that, John? It was okay. It was a ballad. A boy band ballad, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it didn't really do anything for me. We already know that mine was Germany. We already tackled that one. And yours is so predictable. <laughs> Just because I know you. <laughs> so let's go into it. You and me, forever we're free. We're cool under pressure and that's all we need. So take my hand and forget the past. We're in this together. There's no looking back. Oh, feelings change and seasons fade, but nothing will burn us out. Nothing can stop us now. So that was James Newman for the United Kingdom with Embers, as I'm contractually uh, obliged to do so. <laughs> contractually. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do like this. Ever since I heard it on its Eurovision debut simulcast on BBC Radio 1 and 2 on the 11th of March. It's a complete change to My Last Breath from 2020. It's very current. It's a banging EDM track with a Calvin Harris feel to it and a bit of a funky brass section to it. I mentioned there that it sounded a bit like Calvin Harris. He actually wrote a number one song for Calvin Harris featuring James's brother, John Newman, called Blame. And he's worked with so many people, uh, including the likes of Ed Sheeran. So, mm. as I mentioned earlier, he's Grammy-nominated. He's won Brit Awards. He won the British Single of the Year for Waiting All Night, performed by Rudimental and Ella Eyre. I don't know whether it will do well. It's the kind of thing that you hear on, particularly on UK radio, quite a lot. It's that kind of sound. I know you're not too keen on it. I mean, it's not bad. I, I just think Germany's is bad. It, to me, it's, like you said, EDM. So, Leslie, it's fantastic having you on the show. As I say, I've been trying to find a, an opening for you to come onto the show, and Eurovision just seemed to be the perfect opportunity. But thank you for coming on board. Thank you for having me. It's been very nice. It's been nice to speak to someone else instead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing when people were talking about isolation through the lockdown, I'm saying, well, talking about isolation i do this all the time with the podcast <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much it's been awesome and i've learned a lot about eurovision is there anything you don't know about eurovision that's the question i'm good but i'm not a super fan by any means i've seen some of these super fans on tv and i'm thinking how do you know this stuff <laughs> well when i'm on it officially not in someone's choir in the background you can come along with me yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be good especially if you win it when it comes back to Wales, having a contest next year in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. So this is the thing. This is one of the things. Like, well, will I ever get into uh, represent the UK? Which other countries can I pester? Which ones? Now I am singing in Spanish on one of my songs from 1969. You'll have to listen up for that one, just to show that okay. I can. 
don't know what the hell I'm singing, but I'm singing in Spanish. <laughs> Vivo Cantando, it's called. Okay. That's cheese. Ultimate cheese. Cyprus have run out of people now, so they're turning to Greek singers now. So I'm hoping. You never know. That's the one thing with Greece and Cyprus. You know that they're going to get 12 points. Because yes. they'll both give each other, and they never give any points to Turkey. So it's like... <laughs> <laughs> do they not? Right, okay. <laughs> Before um, you do boot me off, I've got to say, one of the big mistakes this year, Russia, not keeping Little Big... Now, we were Little Big fans already in our house before last year. Because I thought, are we liking this just because we like Little Big? But then Little Big were very gracious about it. They said, if, if we're not chosen, we've had our bit of the limelight. There's a lot of good acts, they said, so it's a chance for someone else. But um, this year's has not grabbed me at all. I actually think this year the changes that have been made have made the competition a bit more interesting. Because last year there was a few... Mm, I'm not too sure about them. Kind of, we mm. we really struggled. We we actually chose our favourites from last year for content for the podcast, basically, yeah. and knowing full well that they're not going to be voted for. But these are the ones that we kind of liked. And John chose uh, Russia last year. Do you know the dance? Uh, it's the kind of the knee thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I know the dance. I know. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that song. I'd, all I had to do was see the thumbnail for the video. That's all I need. It's like, okay, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Last year's fun track. Yeah, that was definitely the fun track for last year. <laughs> definitely. Even if you don't like the song, you got to watch the video. The video is just out there. It really is. <laughs> Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. So, John. Yes. That's another Eurovision podcast all done and dusted. It is. I just need to find a way to make sure that I can watch it now. It shouldn't be too <laughs> difficult. I mean, there are a couple of European TV stations that will broadcast it anyway, and they don't worry about geogating it. So, I still might be able to, to watch it. Might not be in English, but I still might be able to watch it. That leaves me to say good luck to everybody involved in this year's Eurovision. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we can get the things a little bit more normal next year. Yeah. So I guess that is it for Eurovision 2021 as far as the podcast is concerned. Apart from well, this time next year when we'll be announcing how we did. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll speak with you all again real soon. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of The Garbage Pod. Be sure to visit thegarbagepod.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. If you want to get in touch with us, then... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. 
If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. The Garbage Pod is a Spam Head production.